Welcome to this um, panel session on how to cast your film. And we have an excellent panel of casting directors with us who I'll introduce one by one. First of all, we have Aisha Bywaters, who has worked on projects including The Possibilities Are Endless, The Watchmen, Enterprise, and Unspeakable, and a lot of shorts. And then we have Des Hamilton, who's worked on High Life, This Is England, Melancholia, Four Lions, Tyrannosaur, amongst many other films. And we have Shaheen Bey, who's worked on Peaky Blinders, Three Girls, Lady Macbeth, Control, uh, the very recent God's Own Country. And we have Amy Hubbard, who's worked on The Hobbit, uh, Dark River, which is a recent film, Little Boy Blue, and Homeland, amongst. But they've also worked on many, many other projects, so that's just the highlights. Um, so what we're going to do is talk for 45 or 50 minutes, and then you can come in with any questions that you have. Also, just a little bit of housekeeping. We'd love to hear your highlights about the weekend, so please do share them with us um, using hashtag GooLive, which is up there. And also, we are recording the session, and the audio will be available online in the coming weeks, and uh, you can follow on Twitter at BaftaGuru for that. So we're going to show some clips in a minute, but I thought we'd just kick off with a very practical question, which I think is very useful for the people in the room here who might be moving from shorts into features or, or thinking about making other shorts. When is the best time for somebody to contact a casting director? Aisha, do you want to start? Should we start with me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, when is the best time to contact a casting director? When... I think it's personally, with a short or a feature, when you have an idea of when you're going to be shooting, what your finance situation is, um, just basically when it's sort of at a point where you know what the project is and how you can move forward. Sometimes people contact and... I don't know, someone called me the other day and they just were like, what should I do? <laughs> and that's not my job. Um, do you know what I mean? So that's that's what I'd say. Okay, so you want them to ha you want them to have some sort of timeline, but what if they've written a script, and let's say they I don't know let's say it's a producer and a writer and they don't yet have a director. It, would you want them to have a director on board before they came to you? That would make sense because my job is to work with that director on finding that cast. Okay. And so with anybody else, would you ever come on to a project that didn't yet have a director attached? Um, sometimes that happens if it's a writer or a producer you've worked with before and they have optioned a book or, you know, they've, they've, they've got a script and they're just sort of starting to think about casting. Sometimes that can happen if you've got a relationship with someone you've worked with previously. But it doesn't really take shape until a director comes on board. Right. It can't. Yeah. Okay. And I suppose the reverse of that is it's a writer-director and they haven't really got a producer on board yet, but they're trying to attract people to the project because these might be people who, who you know, emerging talent. No, that's... Um, that's okay. Yeah. Well, that's from you. It is, because, yeah, you, it, because you'd yeah. be excited about, the, excited about the talent and wanted to work with them. No, if I read the script and I felt it was in a place that could attract talent, then you know the talent that they're after, then, yeah, that wouldn't be a major concern. Okay. Amy, how about you? I think, yeah, I would prefer to wait until there's a producer on board, and I know um, how the 
talent will be looked after, even if it's not paid work, but you know uh, they're going to get their lunches and all the rest of it. Um, for me, I'd prefer that all three elements were in place, producer, director, and, and writer. Um, so you will find, which is quite normal, isn't it? There's quite a lot of contradictory advice amongst casters because we're all so different, but yeah. Yeah, I prefer the hat trick. Okay. Um, I think I think it's this is it is something that comes up again and again. I find talking to people the the knowing when to when to get in contact and also who to get in contact with. Like, how do you know who the best casting director is? Because obviously you could love their work, and it's interesting listening to you, Des, saying that actually you would be quite happy to start those initial conversations. Mm -hmm. um, and when do, when does it get into a situation where you are also talking on the very practical level about being paid? Um, um, I don't know, I kind of fell into this, so the, and the kind of money aspect's never been a, a big part of it. Okay. You know, I kind of find myself, without wanting to appear earnest, kind of, I'm very fortunate to be in this job, and I, I enjoy it. It's much better than the other fucking stuff I did. <laughs> <laughs> but... For instance, if, but if, if you know there are people in the in the audience who might who, think, who might have a script which you really respond to, at that point you don't care about the money. You no. want to be involved with the project because you think it's a great if, project. If I like this, if I like the script, you know, like um, I've been doing it a while now, and you know, you find yourself making a few blunders sometimes when people come at you. I sometimes you, yeah, it has to. For me, it's all about the script. You know, if the script's a, a strong story and I think that I can do a good job on it, and then, yeah, that's the, that's the biggest factor. You know, it's great. like Amy says, you know, there, there will be, although it's contradictory, there will be certain things that we agree on. And, like, if it's a great emerging director or young producer, or they've done something, you know, that all helps, but you can't do fuck all without a really, really good script. Mm. Well, in my opinion, I'm sure. You know. And Shaheen, how do you feel about uh, pretty much the same. I mean, I think it, it, it's about the script. It always starts with the script. But as for <coughs> how somebody chooses a casting director, we all work differently. We've all got different tastes. And so I think it's about, you know, watch as much stuff as you can and, and see whose work you like. That's probably the best way to, mm. to you know, how you sort of choose who you're going to send your project to. And then just make that an initial approach. Yeah. Call up or email and, yeah. and, and just describe your project. And Absolutely. Yeah. And if you've done stuff before, if you've done, if you made a short or, you know, you've, you've done something you want to share, it's really, it's, that's always really, really helpful. It's great for me to see a short or if you've taken, if you're a photographer and you're moving into film, share that because it's, it's always gives us an idea of, of sort of where you're coming from. Mm. So how many of you, just thinking about shorts for a moment, how many of you cast shorts? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. All of you, all of, no. no I, I know, yeah. I, I, did, I used to cast many of them, and I'm having a sabbatical, let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so that's worth knowing. <laughs> but everybody else, and again, the same, that'll be about the script and about the talent coming in that you, you're interested in. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think maybe it should be just be useful to start, with, start some of the clips, because I think that will take us into certain discussions. So, um, Aisha, we're going to start with, Yours, which is Cyberbully, a clip from Cyberbully. Would you like to just contextualise it for us? Uh, Cyberbully is about cyberbullying. <laughs> um, it's one girl in her room one night. 
Um, and <clears throat> yeah, she's someone's trying to sort of basically threaten her, and she's trying to make that not happen. That was not very good, but yeah, that was, you watch the clip. Hello, <laughs> thank um, you. But just before, just before we do the clip, so uh, Maisie Williams is, yeah, is, is in the it. lead in it, um, and just set up for us how you attracted Maisie Williams, how you thought of Maisie Williams for it, and how you attracted her to the project. So, you know, the thing with this was it was all about who is going to be this girl in the room, because it's you with her for an hour, and there's a couple of other people who come up on her screen, but it's basically her. Um, so, there isn't that many girls who were sort of known, so that because also that's important. Channel 4 wanted people to be interested in telling the television who are in that age range. Um, and I really like Maisie Williams. So she was the person that was top of my list. Right. And we asked her, and she liked the script. <laughs> and she said that she'd do it. Oh, simple. Yeah, it was quite simple, right. actually. <laughs> uh, let's have a look at the clip, please. So what kinds of discussions did you have with the director? about, I mean, was it that you both just went, right, she is our number one? We know she's our number one. I think you've still got to have a conversation. Um, you know, so first of all, when you start, because I had never worked with this director before, we had to sort of work out his taste and my taste and if we could sort of find a way together. So even though it was one role, we would have that conversation. I did a whole list of ideas and then we discussed those ideas. Because also it's sometimes good to know what we'd do if she didn't want to do it. So who would be our next choices? And to feel happy with those choices. So that it wouldn't feel like a compromise. Because sometimes when people don't get the actor they're looking for, you know, you need a minute. Because you may have written it with someone in mind. You may have always thought of someone. So we need to feel like there are some options. Okay, and so you then, you both settled on her as top of the list. This is these are secrets sometimes that aren't supposed to be um, revealed, aren't they? But it sounds like with this that she was your first choice. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, and, then, and then you made, made the approach and she met up with the director? Yeah. So in that sort of situation, because she, she didn't audition, we offered her the role, it then became about the two of them and their relationship. So... I didn't go to that meeting, and it was about them connecting and seeing if they wanted to work together, um, which they both did, which was really good. And just talking about the kind of the Game of Thrones factor, um, do you have, and this is something we'll all talk about, um, is frustrations. I don't know if you, if you get frustrated when directors want certain people because they think it might not be, I mean, in this case with Maisie Williams, she's fantastic actor but sometimes it's to do with the star the the leverage that they have as opposed to maybe the talent that they have is that a difficult thing to negotiate for you well if you do this job I don't know about you guys but I'm not here in terms of I'm not interested in stars I'm interested in actors and acting so I always feel it's my job to if someone's only going after someone because of, you know, their, their profile, to question that and ask why and give them alternative options of people that I think are just really good actors. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And has there ever been a situation, you don't need to name what the situation would be, but where you have 
imagine you hadn't got Maisie Williams for this and you'd felt pressured into casting somebody that you'd, you weren't quite sure about, you didn't think was right, and afterwards have sort of been proved right that it wasn't the right person. Yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we all have. We all have. But is that something that you, with more experience, happens less? Or does it just still happen? I think the bigger the budget, the project, the, the more, more likely that that's going to happen. Gonna happen because the more money that's been put into a project, the more the finances want to know they're not going to lose their money. They would do it to make money. So there's a very, very small list of actors who actually have some value. Mm. And so you're always circling that list of actors all the time. And, you know, as Aisha says, you know, I am casting because I love actors. I like working with actors. I like discovering new people, new talent. But of course, you know, there's this tiny pool that haunts us all the time that gets films green lit. So, you know, they might not be, you know, someone might get a part that I don't necessarily think is the best person for the role. But unfortunately, it's, you know, it's that person that gets the, get it, gets the film over the line. So for, um, uh, let's say it's somebody doing their debut feature and they've got certain actors in mind, you know, somebody like Maisie Williams, um, that you, you think there might be somebody who is more appropriate. Will you, I mean, it, it's the fine line of how are, you, how are you dealing with the finances and knowing that you need a certain name to, to, make, the, to make the finance work, but also you want somebody kind of new and interesting. Is that, does, is that happening quite a lot that you're having to navigate that? Um, I think that what seems to be happening, it doesn't matter if you, the budget of your film is £2.50 or, or £200 million, everybody wants a name, everybody wants profile, and that is something that's changed a bit, I think, in the last few years. You know, I work on a lot of independent films and a lot of very low-budget independent films, and even then there's a pressure for names, and those are the projects where you should be, you know, discovering new people and pushing actors through to lead roles that they wouldn't normally get. So you just have to sort of do the two things in conjunction with each other. You know, you sort of, yes, of course, you do the lists of names and profile and check availabilities and discuss those people, but at the same time, you're getting people into audition who are really brilliant and right for the part. And hopefully the right thing will win. Mm. <laughs> also, well, you can be given the greatest gift, can't you, when they're all not available? Yes, and then you're that like, could brilliant. be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> The, yeah, the star system is, is the most uh, depressing thing about casting, I would say. It's a complete stranglehold. And until people start choosing uh, cinema tickets based on um, who, you know, the story or the, or, or the ensemble or uh, the director behind anything other than, oh, who's in that before they commit, um, it, it will be a happy day if and when that star system is broken. It's, it's incredibly depressing. And... If I think of the work that I'm most proud of, I don't think um, any people outside of this room would have heard of it. You know, we're preaching to the converted here. We're all film lovers in this room, I assume. So, um, yeah, I think the stuff I'm proud of doesn't travel because it doesn't have an A-list star. That, and it's the same, and it's very narrow, isn't it? It's sort of 10 to 12 people. Um, the, you know, a lot is changing in the film and TV business and, and uh, grassroots movement about, you know, in terms of diversity. And I think I'm hoping that will affect because um, you can't just have the same uh, Caucasian actors, male, 28 to 35, and it, it's changing fast. So yeah, fingers crossed. Good. Um, 
Uh, Des, well, let's, let's have a look at your clip and talk about um, the film Childhood of, of the Leader, which, which you cast, um, which is a fantastic film. For people who might not have seen it, it's such a great film. Um, and I think it would be interesting to look at the casting of non-professional actors, which, which you did in this. Would you like to talk a bit about the clip before we show it? You know, he wanted... Uh, following on from what I mean, Shaheen... You sure saying, you know, like it, it, it was a, a really interesting opportunity. You know, he wanted a 13 year old boy that was slightly effeminate, slightly otherworldly. And, you know, for a casting director, that's what you get excited about. You know, there was no, none of that stupid profile list, you know, of stars and stuff. So it was kind of like um, gra gra ultimately grassroots. And, and how did the film come to you? How did the project come to you? I'd worked with the director, director's also an actor, and I'd worked with him on a couple of films. And, you know, he sent the script over, and, yeah, it was all a very straightforward process. But that was the kind of, you know, a lot of the cast, you know, actors have got a lot of friends that they can call on, you know, so that was quite an easy part of it, but finding the kid was going to be where the, where the slog was. Actually, slog's the wrong word. Where the kind of, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite demanding. Mm -hmm. Well, let's have a look at the clip and then you can tell us more about that. Thanks. So how did you go about finding Tom Sweet? Um, nothing scientific, just we got out there. Everybody, you know, got out there, you know, visiting schools up and down the country. And then he was, in a, he was playing it's not the most interesting story. In other words, he was playing football in London Fields and he came to a casting and uh, he, it just made sense to him. There was no, you know, I tried to, he did a scene that was, we were all kind of, fuck me, you know, he's <laughs> incredible, you know, and I tried to redirect him and he was kind of like, yeah, fuck off, you know, and he did it again and messed around again and, you know, we put him in a seat, uh, Stacey Martin, who's in the film, came in and read off or something with the director and yeah, they were they were very happy but we were very fortunate in that instance yeah so how many well first of all had he had any experience before or not nothing just he nothing. hadn't been in a school play hadn't been he had wow. no interest in it at all it was quite yeah he's actually <coughs> he does quite well now it's fantastic yeah he does yeah. he's kind of a little actor now and stuff so know. is he is he carried on. Oh, yeah, he's and done, yeah, he's, he's film he's, after film. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. He's a really lovely kid. Yeah. So you would then, so a director has descri described to you yeah. what they're looking for, ideally, um, and you then, how many, how many people would you then whittle down to put in front of them? How many children in this case? It was a really difficult one because he had to learn French and he had to appear naked. He appears naked in the film, so it was um, navigating that and talking to parents and stuff. And that, I found that really, that was really awkward, really difficult, you know. Where, you know, they're all saying, why has he got to be naked? And I'm like, I don't know. So, you know, <laughs> you know I, I'm not comfortable with it, you know. I've got a 14-year-old kid, I don't want him bouncing around naked, you know. So, But um, I think we get down to, we did quite well on it, you know, like we got about 20, you know, in the room with the director, 
down to two or three, but, you know, it was a love affair between Tom, the director, and Stacey Martin, and the people that he was heavily involved in scenes with. So, yeah, it was fairly straightforward. And is that something you particularly enjoy, casting non-professionals? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. It was kind of how I got started. That was my first job, was a, and the remit was a, a non-actress. You know, so, yeah, I've always done it, and we always tend to... When we meet directors, producers at an early stage, I, I tend to offer that up, you know, to go with authenticity in certain, you know, in certain roles. But I'm just assuming that that must be incredibly um, time-consuming. Yeah, it can be, but like everybody said, it's kind of more enjoyable than calling an agent and, yeah. you know, and availabilities and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It's kind of... It's not, you know, the, that side of the job I don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I kind of like street casting. Right. You know, and I've been fortunate to kind of travel with it now. And, yeah, as much I love my job, but that's the bit that I love most. You know, you know. So yeah. you're going to get excited if a director comes to you saying that that's what they'd like. That's going to pique your interest. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. For yeah, anybody for that sure. might have those projects for in sure. the room. <laughs> for sure. Um, but actually, all of you would, would go down that, you, you've all... Yeah, yeah. I think um, what's one of the things, there's so many things you can say about casting non-professionals, but um, I wonder, Des, do you find that the non-actors, especially when you mix uh, uh, non-actors in the cast with actors who've trained, they feed into the actor's performance, because sometimes um, behind the camera as well as in front, um, uh, the film business, we forget how to how to be authentic, and it's great, isn't it, that they, the, and, and honest actors will admit that it feeds into their performance when they've got natural brilliance in front of them in terms of authentic, authentic non-actors. Mm. It feeds into the whole, all, everyone's performance. Changes. Yeah. Yeah, and actually, with Selfish Giant, we'll come to talk to you about that with the clip, yeah. I'm just saying it definitely elevates things. You know, definitely what, sorry? Elevates things when I think, like Amy's saying, when, when uh, the other actors are watching this untrained, inexperienced, you know, just getting on there and smashing it, take after take, then I think they've got, they've got to think, you know, about up my game a bit here, yeah. you know, and not rely on these tricks that I've learned. I mean, do you ever feel that people come to you and want that sort of for the sake of it, or do you think they're always coming with really good intentions? Um, I'm not a deep thinker. Fine. <laughs> I'm not, it's Fine. A, that's a good question, but like I... Nah, I can't get the same time next year. I'll get back to you. <laughs> I can, yeah, I want to that. I would that say over. there's one thing that happens and where um, people want, insist on finding somebody who's lived the life of the person in the story. And sometimes I find that ridiculous because it's acting. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's great when you find somebody whose experience overlaps with something in the story, but equally they can tell it just as well if they haven't actually been a heroin addict or um, a boxer. You know, yeah. Too very specific. <laughs> Preferably, you don't want the hair. Or both. Called <laughs> actors for a reason. Uh, yeah. But also with social media, I don't know if you guys feel this, but that's been quite helpful in searching and changing the way yeah. that you can get to people. Is it's kind of amazing. I'm blocked from Instagram a lot from con over contacting people, but it just means that you can... Well, hang on, you're blocked. I'm, yeah, they blocked me because right. I've contacted so many people, but it's changed things, which is great. So you're just contacting someone and they're like, 
I didn't even apply for this. And it's like, yeah, like you I don't thought want about to be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Can you talk just a little bit more about the social media side then and how that has kind of changed your jobs? Well... Do you remember when we joined Twitter, Shaheen? I do remember. And we were like, how many followers have we got? Because <laughs> three? Shaheen four, and Aisha worked five. together. I used to work for Shaheen, yeah. <laughs> but the I... old days of Twitter. <laughs> when but I mean, I suppose it's really good in two aspects. People can follow you, see what you're up to, sort of, you know, uh, apply for work that way if you've, if you've got something that's right. But also, you can just get on there. And so I've been looking at the moment for uh, Pakistani girls for uh, a punk band. So I can get on there, search, find certain girls. Some just, you know, so photographers, like artists, just people that I just think look interesting and see if they're up for it and want to come and have a chat and if it's something that they're interested in or not, and some were, and some weren't, and one's been cast, and that's amazing. Um, and the same, you can sort of also use other people. So we once worked on something ages ago called Youngers, and Jamal Edwards, the guy from SBTV, retweeted our flyer, and then we got a thousand people turned yeah. up just because he retweeted something for us. So it's just sort of really interesting how helpful it can be because sometimes you feel like you have an open call and literally two people turned up and you don't know what you did wrong <laughs> that no one found out about this sort of open call. It's hugely powerful because it has, obviously the outreach is, is massive. And if you're targeting a particular community or a particular age bracket... I mean, it's sort of endless. The search could, you know, could go on and on and on and on. And, and I think it's been hugely valuable, actually. I mean, in the old days, you'd have maybe a radio announcement, a newspaper advert, and then you'd send out flyers or you'd put up posters. But, and, you know, maybe 20 people would come to an open call, whereas now you can get retweeted and retweeted. And like Aisha said, if the right person retweets your flyer it can make a huge difference to the, to the response you get. And presumably also with, um, you know, some actors are very well known, but they might not have a huge Twitter following, for instance, but some w might be quite niche, but have a huge Twitter following. And presumably that's going to help also in the casting, particularly with the short, maybe, if they've got a following and a certain kind of following. Would that help? That they did, so they did this for a while. Did this happen with you guys? But my friend who was an agent told me as well, so it became that Twitter was really important. And it lasted for about six months, and they realised it made no difference. Okay. So it's not anymore. <laughs> um, Shaheen, should we have a, a, a look at your clip? Um, okay. You've chosen Control. Tell us about... It's a very old film, but... Yeah. I chose Control because it, it was, I suppose it's sort of tricky casting. So it was Anton Corbin's first film. He's a photographer, a very, very respected uh, photographer. And he, and, and Control was sort of his passion project. It was about Ian Curtis and the band Joy Division. And, you know, this was before social media. So, you know, that's, you know, I chose it because it was about casting real people that existed. So, you know, obviously the band of recognisable figures, Ian Curtis was a recognisable figure. And so the, the, how that's tricky when you have to cast somebody that's, exists and has a very, very strong image. Um, and so the thing that was interesting with Control is we went through initially the, you know, talking about the usual suspects and 
the people that have profile. And then in the end, it was just like, this is crazy, because actually none of these people are right for this role. And I think we have to just go and find somebody who can capture some element, essence of Ian Curtis. And, and, I, and I've done a couple of films where I've cast, you know, like I did a film about Morrissey, did, um, I'm working on something about Shirley Bassey, and it's like, you, 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 there's no point casting the lookalike. It's, it's, you know, and sometimes you get a huge amount of pressure to cast somebody who looks exactly like that person, but it has to start with performance. And so what was interesting and fun about Control is we started the process talking about some really famous you know, actors, and actually we ended up you know, doing an open call, doing a search, and finding somebody who was an actor when he was 15, 16, and then gave it up, and then sort of came back to it again through Control. And that, and that was a joy, because actually... It was, it was a discovery, and it was his first lead role. And in fact, I don't think he'd done a film before, Sam. Um, and that, for me, was, was really kind of sort of hit the nail on the head of why I cast, because I got to do that and sort of nurture someone and put them into a lead role, because he really deserved it. And did you and Anton Corbin have the pressure of not doing that, of, of casting Yes, who, who we did initially, and it was really difficult because, you know, at one point, you know, one of the financiers pulled the money out of their contribution out of the film, and it was really hard to get that film made. It kind of stop-started three times, um, but we got there eventually. What was the budget of it, it roughly? Was, it was like one and a half, okay. I think, maybe a bit less. In fact, yeah, it was just over a million, I think, in the end. And his it, performance was a, a astonishing in it. And, but, and it, but because, he, because he had so many elements that were right for the part, mm -hmm. and that is a, such a kind of joyous way to cast. It's like Des says, it's so fulfilling when you can take someone who really, really deserves the role, and it's not about, you know, ticking a name off a list that, you know, yes, of course, we could have made the film with double the budget, with a star, but it would have been a completely different film. Mm. And not been as interesting for the director either. No, not at all. Uh, let's have a look at that clip, please. <laughs> So could you just talk a bit more about that process of, of auditioning, Sam, and um, how that We happened? did a bunch of open calls in Manchester, and Sam turned up to one of the open calls and was just, he's got a lot of humour and wit and attitude, and he, you know, he just came to one of the open calls, and there was probably about five people from that open call we thought maybe might have something, and then recalled him with Anton and it was sort of quite clear quite very very quickly that he was that he was the one and there was still a niggle from the financiers of oh but he's not you know he's not played the lead role before and he's new but we all Anton myself the producers all just kind of were like he's completely can do it but it took a bit of convincing it it took I think two screen tests to convince everyone that he was... Did you first. cast him first? Yes. And because you wanted him as the leader and yeah. then to know how, because yeah. you, they need to, I mean, in a band. But also like we that. were forming a band and yeah. so, and I really wanted to cast actors who were musicians. So, uh, but that was, there was no film without him. So we, we had to start with, with the role of Ian Curtis first because unless I could find him, 
there wasn't a film. And you talked about his qualities then when, you know, <laughs> when he came in into the, his personality traits when he came into yeah. the room. Um, and how, how, I mean, this is for all of you, how, how important is that? How important is it that you kind of like somebody? Or are, are you primarily looking to see if they're good? I mean, I don't have to like an actor to cast them. I just have to believe that they can play the role. Um, that's what I'm most concerned. I mean, of course, you want every, you know, you want a set to be a happy place, and you want everyone to to treat each other with, with respect. But ultimately, I'm casting someone because I think they can play the role, not because I want to be their friend. Yeah. yeah. So there are no kind of personality traits that you're, you know, I'm just thinking about when people kind of come into the room and the impression that they give you. The impression that actors give when they come into the room and how important that is. I think the ability to listen is often underestimated. You know, when an actor comes in and you're trying to convey something to them, but they're so wrapped up in what they're going to do, that's a major fucking pain in the arse. Right. You know, but then if you get one that can actually settle themselves and listen, for me, yeah. that's, you know, that's the thing I'm looking for. Right. You know. I hope that makes some kind of sense. I think actors forget quite often that we're on their side. Mm. So when they come in for an audition, audition we bring them in because we really want to, and we really want actors to do the best audition they can. So maybe it would, you know, it it can be helpful if an actor sort of trusts that process a bit more, because we want you to, you know, an actor to leave the audition room feeling like they gave it the best they could. Yes, and also it's your reputation with the director and the producer to bring good people in because. Otherwise, they'll think that you're not bringing good people. I mean, you're going to obviously pick the best of... of yeah, but I want, I want an actor to come in and feel like they've given it a really good shot. And because whether, you know, they might not get the role, but we might think about them for something else. Yeah. Or the director might go, actually, they're not right for this part, but they could be right for this part. Mm -hmm. So it's, a, you know, I learn from actors, and actors hopefully learn from, from us too. Mm -hmm. And so do you find, I'm just thinking about Sam in particular here, do you find, because I know he's quite choosy about his work as an actor, um, do you find that people come to approach you as casting directors because they know that you might have a relationship with certain actors because you've cast them before? I think occasionally that happens, um, but I don't want Not to do often. a... Yeah, but also I don't want to do a project if, it's, if they're sort of seeing me as a shortcut to right. an actor. Okay. Um, you know, I might get, you know, like I think we all do, if you do a very particular, like after Control, I got sent loads of music films. <laughs> You know, you do a particular style of film, then you suddenly get sent mm. loads of the same thing. You know, that happens a lot. Like, actors get typecast, we get typecast. Yeah, interesting. Um, Amy, do you want to... Uh, so you've got two clips. I was asked to provide two. We what can happened? do one if there's no time. Um, I think we've got time. Um, and they're both very interesting films, so it'd be good. Well, and, and um, which is just first, I think we've got The Selfish Giant first. Uh, do you want to say a little bit about that? Yeah, so I chose these... Uh, so we'll talk about Selfish Giant first, which, again, is uh, kid casting, because as well as uh, non-actors being a very rewarding process, but sometimes I am very happy to sit on my ass though, and do availabilities and talk to agents. I do quite like that side as well. But, so, but then every now and again, I don't want to do that, and I want to leave London, and I want to go somewhere very specific and get, um, uh, get involved in a landscape that's completely different and that dictates to the film. And... Um, the Selfish Giant was exactly 
that. Um, but yeah, so finding non-actors, but finding kids is often the most rewarding thing. And um, there's nothing you can teach these kids. So I know for Des, when he, he would have known that Tom Sweet was the one within a few seconds of Tom opening his mouth. And it's uh, the same for anybody, I think, sitting up here. Um, there's a point at which, and you might always have those instincts, but you don't always have the confidence to know it. But the hair goes up on the back of your neck when a kid can express some words you've just handed them. Um, and I'd be more specific than that and say you might have even had to say what the words are and learn them that way because uh, dyslexia is a huge part of acting. So many actors are dyslexic and you find that very often uh, some of the best kids in the country for, act, uh, for acting can't read. So I mention it because it's really important not to assume you can just hand audition sides to anybody, uh, but it doesn't mean that they're not the most phenomenal actor. And then they express these words that someone else has written as their own thoughts, and the hair goes on, up on the back of your neck, and it's incredible, yeah. So The Selfish Giant was, um, the two stars were two boys who we set out to find. The first one, one of the boys I found on the very first day of casting, and then the other fellow was more elusive, but I'm so proud of them both. Yeah. The, they are the film. You know, the, ho the whole film is, is about a, a real guy that Clio knows um, who dealt in scrap metal, and um, it's completely his story. And yeah, it needed, it needed two young guys who could, um, as they say, carry a film. We're asked about that a lot and in casting, you know, but can they carry a film, you know? And there's more than 10 people in the world who can do that. And those two boys definitely radiated out, yeah. Um, we might come to your second clip, but I think we should go out for questions now. Uh, there is a roving mic, I believe. Yes, just there. If we could go there first, please. And then one over there, please. Hi there. Um, I have a question. As a first-time director, I'm being pushed by finance companies to get on board uh, a known actor. And I was just wondering, how feasible is it to get a known actor attached to the project if you don't have finance in place or if you don't have the salary already in place? It's, it's nigh on impossible. It's so very difficult. And... Um, the first thing I'd recommend any filmmaker in this room to do is to slash your budget so you have creative freedom in casting. Um, but it's, it's, you know, if you think about it, that actors have of a certain status, first of all, have status anxiety about what should be their next step and what their public want for them. They also have, you know, relationships and children and commitments that the richer they get, the 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 more that's a beast that they've got to feed, and let alone the publicists, the lawyers, the agents. Um, and, you know, if, if we all compared notes after this about actors we're out to on various projects, they a lot of them will be the same people. So they've got, that's four casters you've got in front of you who are mostly out to the same people um, with projects that are financed with, you know, big directors sometimes and all the right elements in place. So... Um, it's really, really difficult. All you can do is try, but what I would do is sort of turn it on its head, try and reduce your budget so that you have freedom to not cast a star. Yeah. Hi, it's something that you touched on um, slightly, but how important is it for you guys um, when it comes to an actor's, say, like Instagram following or their presence on social media? How influential is that for you when you're making your final decision? Um, it's not relevant to me at all. It might be relevant to a financier somewhere, but it's of no relevance because, you know, we're judging some, an actor on their work, on their audition or stuff they've done before. What they're 
public persona is is of, of, of no interest to me. Hi, guys. Um, it was really humbling to see that you all say you still cast shorts. Uh, I guess as someone who's about to begin on the process of doing their own short uh, and is in the process of BFI funding applications, what do you want from the first point of contact? Do you just want a hi, here's a script, or hi, here's a script, here's a logline, hi, here's a script, a logline and budget? W what is it that you're, what would pique your interest, I guess, to continue a conversation? Um, I think to know a little bit about the filmmaker and the script. I think that's the starting place. I think if you've made something before, then include that in the email because it's a point of reference. But really, they're the, the, the first things. I, you know, I think if, you know, if, if I then read it and I like it, then, of course, you can start to talk about budget because then that becomes really relevant. But the starting point is your story and who you are. That's for me, and we all work differently. So. Can I just ask a quick question, though? How many things do you turn down? I mean, in a week, how many projects are you turning week? down? <laughs> uh, in a month, in a day? Yeah, in a year. A year. <laughs> okay, in a year, how many projects are you turning down? I don't know. I mean, I turn lots down, yeah. And uh, for me, if, if, if I was ever to do a short again, it would need to be something unique. So I'm always looking, and I'm working out what I enjoy most, and I love factual drama, and... But, um, yeah, I turn lots down if, you f if the script's not great or, um, y yeah, if it's just not going to be... If I don't want to watch it, essentially, is my criteria. And, if I, and my big test is if I can watch this on film or TV and be okay with another casting director's name on it, then I shouldn't do it because it doesn't mean I'm... Com it means I'm com not, not passionate. passionate enough. Yeah. yeah, so that's sort of my criteria. So sometimes... You know, people send scripts and, and that sometimes emails can be really rude. You know, they can be like, here's my script. And then literally two days later, have you read it? Do you want to do? And it's like, well, I'm quite busy and I've got a life and a family and, and I will read it. But it's, I'm not going to read it in two days. And I think sometimes then it could be the best script in the world, but I'm it's not going to read it off. in two days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's also really important. I think that just to go back to shorts people sometimes because they're short form think they're easier or it's exactly the same it's it's a lot of work um and you know that you're not you know you're not doing it for any other reason it's not about money it's not it is because you believe in the team behind it um so i think that's just really important to remember because people seem to think that you're just like do it really quickly or and it's not and then you also then have to go to those actors sometimes and be like this is amazing, and be really behind it. So it is that thing of passion. If you're not passionate about it, there's no point in you working on a short because lots of actors as well don't want to do shorts all the time. Uh, there was one up there, yeah. Hello, it's very reassuring and refreshing to hear you say that you enjoy casting unknowns or you know, not named. And I just wondered what advice you have for young actors. Um, who just want to get work, never mind a lead in something. So drama school or courses or Instagram accounts, what would your advice be? Stay away from drama school. Really? Yeah. yeah. Because? That's, that's, I think it's a very unhealthy environment. I think it's very competitive and I think it's, what's the word, outdated. You know, I think you know that acting's changed massively in the past 
you know, 10, 20 years. It was very more, very kind of... I love the directors I work with are swaying towards a very almost documentary style, you know, in, in, conver in conversation and talking and stuff. You know, and when somebody comes to audition and they start acting, it's kind of what I do for a living is, is watch that, and I, I hate watching acting. I've got tremendous respect for actors and their craft, but, yeah, there's nothing really immersive in just sort of a fucking raising your voice and swinging your fucking hands around and stuff. Like, seriously, fuck off. <laughs> you know, so I think, you know, I, I, just a, a bringing a natural approach to it is... So I don't, I don't know if drama schools are doing that. You can, you can actually... We can, I don't know if I, I don't want to sound smug or anything, but you can see who went where. You know, you can, oh, fucking drama center, you know, because they're usually fucking biting their wrist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they're, they're sort of, you know. Yeah, but I think good. that, you know, the drama school debate is a huge one because I think, you know, the drama schools have got a massive responsibility to sort of, I think right now there's a pressure on them to sort of reinvent themselves and how they function and, you know, the sort of talent pool that they're pulling in. I mean, you know, a hope would be that drama school would kind of um, give someone a, a tool bag of, of skills that they can take throughout their career because, obviously, it's fantastic to, you know, find someone for a film and it's their first thing and they've never done it before. And then, of course, they want to be an actor and they want to play other roles and they might have to do accents and all sorts of stuff. And so... You know, if someone, you know, you kind of, you know, you get, so, you get someone in, you get them to do a film, but then you, you want them to have longevity. You want them to be able to do other things, and that's what drama school should provide. It should provide the skills to be able to do that. But I think that, I think there are advantages to drama school, but I think the whole, I think drama schools need to be um, sort of reinvented, really, and, and they need to represent the world we live in. They also need to teach people how to audition. Well, yeah, because which they don't. they don't. No, they don't. Not at all. Yeah. When actors come out of drama school and they come to an audition, they have no idea what to expect, which is sort of ridiculous. You're there for three years. It's kind of fundamental. <laughs> That's a waste That's of £10,000 a year. <laughs> yeah. um, question here. Hi. Um, for a first-time writer, if you don't have the connections yet or the name in the market, and you have specific actors in mind, not necessarily A-listers, but people who have done some stuff, um, would the casting director take on the role to build the connection between writer and actor, or would it be rather for the writer to contact the agent who then forwards the script? Or maybe something completely different that you first get the director or producer on board who then contacts the casting director? So what's the way? I, I wouldn't recommend for a writer to contact a, um, an actor direct. By direct, I mean through the agent, unless you're going to direct the piece as well, because it won't be prioritised to read um, without knowing who's going to direct it. So, yeah. And also, why would you want to? Because it's a basic sort of time management. The actor will wait until the project is more real. Um, and I'm not saying you would do this, but they're also not going to co-write it with you. Um, 
and there's sometimes you get a sense of that, don't you? That people want actors to fill in the blanks. I'm not saying this is you, but writers who um, haven't written the dialogue over the dinner table and things like that, and expect actors to fill in those blanks. Now, even though actors will be opinionated and they will collaborate with you, no question on thing. It depends on the actor, but on everything from dialogue to wardrobe, um, they will expect you to come to them fully formed with the script, the best it can be. And this is a big thing to bear in mind. Um, they won't read it a second time once you've improved it six months later, make sure your script is absolutely talent ready before you send it to anybody. But I advise you to get a director and, and then either approach direct, if you're doing your own work um, in a short film or a first feature or through the casting director, yeah. I think something that's very often overlooked also is, uh, you know, the way we are in everyday life, you know, it's not, there's nothing so too mystical about this, how to go about things, you know, like, yeah, if a script arrives and I don't know anything about it, then, you know, it is what it is. But, like, like Amy and I aren't close or anything, but if Amy called me up and said, there's a script coming your way, or there's an actress coming your way, I would pay attention. You know, same as Aisha, Shaheen and I have been friends a long time. You know, she told me to watch out for something, do something, I would do it. You know? So, I think introduction, to find a way, like, as a writer, you know, even if it's I agree totally with everything Amy's saying, but I think stuff can be done if it's done via introduction, you know, properly. Then that would be the best approach if you're feeling on the outside of the game. I think Des is really right. I think you just need to think about in your lives what is... If something's just weird. So if this was a normal transaction with a friend, would you do that? If you wouldn't do it, then just don't do it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> don't do things that are weird. It's just really simple, I think. Um, I'm afraid that's the end of our hour. Well, that's been brilliant. Please join me in thanking our panel. Aisha, Des, and you and I.